You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stadium time is 8.55 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast, harbored by the friendly folks over at collegeandmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It's I, Son of Crow, Drew Croson, at Son of Crow Crow 2 on Twitter. You can find me at Son of Crow on Venmo. And that's where you go if you want to take Josh uh, Dub's bet on... Um, Tank Williams and Bo Nix finishing at the exact same amount of Heisman votes for next year. He's offering that as a thousand to one. So you can sh- send me that money on Venmo and, and bet Josh Dub a thousand to one odds that he thinks they're not going to get the same votes. By the way, so he's giving you a thousand to one odds on that. Joining me on tonight's episode of the program. Um, to one side of me, the, the rumor monger at Ryan S. Starrett. The S is for slept in last episode, but alive and well today. 
I'm back. Ryan, we were we were completely we were actually uh, genuinely concerned for your well being, which I think shows that both of us are fathers. Um, and also <laughs> that both of us are old and can't fathom <laughs> We, I think it, the idea of just falling asleep in the afternoon on the couch is so foreign to me because I could not <laughs> imagine that life right now. Do I want it? Absolutely. If I close my eyes right now, would I fall asleep? 100%. <laughs> but it's not you enough. You ever get one of those colds where like, you, you, you convince yourself for like a whole day that you're, you're going to be fine. It's just – uh, you probably ate something weird. I don't know something allergies maybe, and then you get to the end of the workday and you sit down and just you're done. And <laughs> I fell asleep at six o'clock on the couch. I woke up at six a.m. the next morning on the couch. Jeez. Yeah, you might, better. Had, you might have had coronavirus. <laughs> Round two. Uh, to the other side of me, giving you the full Fort Payne ASMR that hopefully you heard to open this show. The AU chief. Hey y'all. So explain to us what that recording is, if as long as Jack <laughs> played it. If he didn't play it, then this is explanation is going to be even better. Uh, my mom has apparently been going through all her tapes that she has and like cassette tapes and playing them for Alex, uh, uh, my son, and uh. That one she found apparently had me on it. I, I know there are others out there. I've, there's like a whole radio show that I've recorded of myself at some point between the ages of 8 and 12. Uh, uh, possibly some with me and some of my cousins on it. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I was I was journaling, I guess, is what I was doing there. Um, there should be more. Uh, at the very end of it, you may have heard some. Uh, uh, it was David versus Goliath from uh, the uh, uh, local, well, not local, but the uh, Christian radio sure. that my mom used to record stuff for me off of. Uh, apparently, I recorded right over that. So. Did you ever get any adventures in Odyssey? Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. I was a big adventures in Odyssey listener. I was a, I was a stop down, entertainment in my house. It's possible that was one of those, but I'm not. Uh, Doctor Doctor uh, Whitaker, I think that was his name. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I know what it, Ryan has no clue what we're talking about from the Baptist. Yeah, world. I'm assuming this is like <laughs> Veggie Tales, but before there was TV. Uh, yeah, it yeah. Was before Veggie. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good take. It's just when you know, like when you, or watching TV was just listening to the radio. Imagine if back in the if day. Veggie Tales and like Prairie Home Companion had a baby. <laughs> I don't know what that second one is either. So uh, what? Do you not get NPR in, in Auburn anymore? Come on, guys. <laughs> um, also joining us, the best recruiting analyst going today. And you should, you can tell anybody else I said that. You can tell the folks over at 24-7. You can tell the folks over at Please don't. Uh, Rivals. If they want to be the man, they got to beat the man. It is the AU nerd. And he is the man. Please Please, please don't do that. <laughs> Adam, Adam would say, how come nerd gives me better content than you for free? Hashtag, hashtag college. That's, the heck. That, that's a completely different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, uh, nerd, 
Auburn has been very active in the transfer window, to use the soccer term, and picked up, was it seven guys now? Yeah, up to seven. So tell us a little bit about, uh, we have you on today, or to talk a little bit about transfers, because I don't really know much about them. Because <laughs> I quit watching, I don't watch a lot of recruiting tape anyway, so I definitely don't know about guys that didn't sign with Auburn when out of high school. So if I'm watching any recruiting tape, it's just the guys who are going to sign with Auburn. You have probably watched some of these kids' recruiting tape before they signed with whatever school they went to before Auburn. Maybe. Maybe a few of them. I want, not all of them. I haven't, I haven't reached that level yet. You know, one day, kids out of the house, they get really lonely, then I can really just kind of kind of focus in. I'd like to give a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, yeah. Crow probably do. doesn't know this because I don't. I don't think he uh, he lurks in the uh, the Crutes uh, yeah. channel of our Slack. But uh, the nerd tipped us off to every single one of these transfers. Uh, 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 I want to say at least a week in advance on all of them. The best so, part uh, is when I do I do lurk in that channel. I don't really type a lot. Okay, but I'll I'll go over there and peep and see what what nerds games doing. But I will say my favorite are when nerd tips us off on which Auburn position coaches are now following members of other programs, therefore letting us know potentially so-and-so is about to hit the portal and he's coming to Auburn and he's been right more often than not. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm learning that that's actually what a lot of these uh, recruiting folks do too. <laughs> like the actual, yeah. like, <laughs> like sub sub folks, which I, I totally get it. Cause that's like how crazy enough. It's actually how a lot of these coaches will like communicate first communicate with kids is they'll, they'll, you know, slide into the DMS. <laughs> how often do you catch coaches following, uh, not football players? <laughs> actually, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Especially analysts. Oh yeah. Like the people that are under the, aren't the big ones that don't, don't think they're, they're under the microscope. You can, you can hop onto there and you're like, Oh, okay. This, you were in a different type of mood today when you came on to yeah. To find some people. Now, that was probably their uh, 1 a.m. Twitter time. <laughs> people really don't understand that that is public record. No. <laughs> like, if your account is not private, everybody can see your likes. Everybody can see your follows. It is an, it's an amazing thing that people are still thinking that they're somehow <laughs> private on there. I actually think it's... They have to actually, you have to actually be extra careful about it now, especially with the transfer stuff, because I think you're going to see people talk about tampering and be like, oh, this coach was following this kid. You know, uh, like half the coaching staff started following a kid uh, before he was in the portal. Uh, they're totally, they're totally recruiting him off a roster. So it's going to be, I can't wait for the first uh, NCA case that comes down mm. to Twitter DMs and the timing of when it happens. No one would ever be that silly to, to follow someone before they're officially in the portal. Not for Auburn, at least not multiple times. Well, actually, this recruiting class. I will, I will say, I will say Auburn has not, have not <laughs> caught Auburn in that yet. Now they're quick with it. When some of them hit the portal, and you, could, you know that they were ready for it. It's almost but, like they knew they were going to be in the portal. Yeah. They, they get that. They, they just got that itch that, you know, someone's about to appear out of the portal. There's a disturbance. So they, the they go check. Yeah. 
but uh but yeah so it's it's definitely been it's definitely been crazy this is probably this is by far going to be the weirdest i mean last last off season was weird with covid and everything shut down and you have kids a bunch of kids this year that that signed without ever visiting a campus which means next year's transfer portal is going to be even crazier but uh um yeah, it's it's been nuts, and Auburn's been super active. I was curious to see what Harson would do with this. Would he, you know, because when he first got hired, he sounded kind of cautious about it. Like as in his press conference, he kind of just gave like a non-answer about it. And um, but he's been extremely aggressive, and I don't think they're actually even close to being done yet either. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of confusion about like, when you sign these transfers, do they count against your 25-man limit? How do they count against the 85 limit? Um, this is kind of like a new, new thing for recruiting, especially transfers on this you know, on this scale. So how does that work? Yeah. So first off, I don't think anyone, including people that actually work at the NCAA <laughs> and an athletic especially the people at the NCAA, actually understand how any of this truly works. Because I every time I feel like I've got a handle on it, something changes. But my my understanding for this, I right now the rules uh, really are kind of a mess in regards to this because uh, every transfer you take. So the way it works is each year, a school has 25 scholarships that they can give to players. That's, that's the initial counter is what it's called. Um, But every team is required to only have, they're only allowed to have up to 85 scholarship players on the roster. So those are kind of the two numbers uh, coaches are always bouncing the 25 for each signing class and then not over signing in terms of having 90 or 92 kids on the roster. That's where the whole processing idea came from. And that's well, been hard enough this past year with kids getting, you know, a, a sixth year or fifth year of eligibility yes. with COVID. Yes. Well, I believe what the COVID rules is the six years uh, are actually not going to count towards okay. the, uh, the, the 85 or they've either added a buffer. I'm not, a, again, again, it's all dark magic that no one truly understands, but my, I'm going forward with the assumption based off what I've understand is that those seniors won't count towards the 85 as part of the free. I think it's going to get really interesting in like two to three years when these kids who had a free year as a freshman, like how does, how does that, how do they even keep track of all that of who is, uh, who's a six senior, but, but yeah, so that, so you have the 25 and 85 and then, uh, but the tricky part right now is a transfer counts as initial counter. So, uh, they count against that 25, um, so uh, every single one of these kids have counted towards that 25 limit, but there's a way around that rule. Um, and typically the way people do it is through blue shirting, uh, which is basically you don't recruit a kid in the NCAA's eyes. In the NCAA's eyes, a kid is recruited if you if, if they took an official visit, if the coaches uh, visited that player in person, like went to their house, um, uh sent them a letter of intent or set up some sort of financial aid package. Well, in today's world of virtual visits, uh, there are no official visits. Coaches aren't meeting these kids on campus. Uh, They don't have to send them a letter of intent because they're a transfer. So this is kind of how a lot of these schools are working around it. The the drawback of that is uh, every kid you oversign from this year's 25 initial counter counts against next year's. Um, so it's all tricky, but right now the way to look at it is Auburn staff is currently taking a, uh, kind of a, a calculated risk and saying, we're going to go and try to max out 
the talent we can get this year via the portal to get to the 85 limit on our roster and try to have a really good season, knowing that it could mean we take a much smaller class in 2022 if the rules don't change. But the hope is if you, you know, nail these, these transfers and you have a good performance, then maybe it'll help you with the 2023 class, which is kind of the recruiting class where the staff will finally get be on even ground with the rest of the team. So yeah, that that's kind of the spiel of, of, of how I see things right now. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing is it seems like a lot of these guys, it's not like they're all grad transfers. I mean, yes. some of these are, you know, whatever freshmen last year, or sophomores last year, still have three or four years of eligibility. So it's not like you're mortgaging the future just to bring these guys in. Yeah. So far of the, of the, of the two, of the seven <clears throat> transfers, only two, have a single year of eligibility remaining. So only two are grad That's transfers. crazy to me. It's that that's the new the most like the biggest difference in normal years. This is kind of the new normal is that and this is we're seeing this in basketball too, where kids will transfer and they have a full four years of eligibility left. You're like this really is like you're basically getting to see them play in college for a year and then re recruit them. Yeah. I mean it's basically I mean I'll admit my soccer, my soccer league is pretty low, but it's like, you know, Auburn just loaning kids out to these G5. No, it's absolutely and, uh, right. FCS schools. And then, you know, if they get it, but I, that's totally happening. And there's actually a lot of that. There's a lot of frustration at the lower levels, knowing that uh, these big programs are going to, every time you have a kid that breaks out, they, those kids know that some big school somewhere in a power five conference will take them. And so then they're hopping into the portal and, Teams are taking them like Auburn. They're using Auburn's using a using like Alabama State or South Alabama as like an air to VC team, just letting them. Oh, you could go play over there in the Dutch league, and then we'll we'll sign you back up. It's no big deal. <laughs> well, if these smaller schools are smart, they can turn that around and say, "Hey, you went to Alabama and they didn't play you your freshman year like you were supposed to. Come play for us, and you'll be a star right away." Somebody in uh, Orlando. Yeah. Has that same idea. Yeah, I think that same idea down there. He might be setting a, a world record for most incoming transfers in a year. So got to get those four stars, man. Even <laughs> even if they haven't done anything, you got to get those four stars. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these guys that are coming in. Um, some of them, like like Ikuliota and Dreshawn Miller, we've known for a long time. Yeah. They've been that, committed for a while. Is that Ray Liotta's cousin? I assume so. Okay. Yeah. You look at a picture of him, it's just striking it's a striking resemblance. <laughs> I think it's Does I he, think it's the eyes. Do you look no. coked out? Uh, or should we be signing somebody? Dude, Ray Liotta <laughs> is, is fantastic in Goodfellas. I know that's a basic thing to say, but it is one hundred percent true. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Back to the serious talk. Uh so it seems like the last two weeks or so has been the big uh, you know bringing guys in after we lost a bunch of names um, about a month back after spring practice. Um, so let's just, let's start at the defensive backfield um, with Donovan Kaufman and Darius Knight and both safeties coming in. Um, where do those guys fit into, you know, the roster for this upcoming year? Um, just tell us more about them. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, by, uh, by Darius Knight and he's, he's, he's one of the two grad transfers. Um, he's coming out of Southeast Missouri State, um, so CMU, uh, where he was a uh, all-conference player two years. Uh, he he started playing ever since he was a redshirt freshman. This kid has played a ton. He's got like 200 plus 
career tackles. Uh, he really inflated. I put a tweet out the other day about Auburn's uh, replacing the production with what's gone out and in. He, he's really inflated those numbers. He's able to make it look really nice based off his stuff. Um, but yeah, he's uh, both him and Kaufman, uh, I think, are a prototype of what you're going to see Derek Mason recruit at the safety. So, so by Darius Knighton can play nickel. He could play boundary safety. He could play field safety based off his comments with, uh, with, with what he said in his discussions with Derek Mason. It sounds like he's going to be playing a lot of uh, field safety and a lot of nickel kind of splitting time, uh, time between there. Um, six, one, uh, 200, I think he's around 200 pounds, really good tackler, great tackler. Um, you know, I think the big question is going to be with him is does he have the speed to play, uh, against SEC receivers, if you know if he's matched up in the nickel on a slot receiver, does he have the speed um, to play there? But that that was a recruitment that happened really quickly. Uh, he'd been in the portal for a while and actually uh, was kind of Mississippi State's top target, uh, and they had kind of felt good about where they stood on him. But he kind of been holding out because Auburn had been talking with them. And then I think when the news of Chris Thompson was going to hit the portal, because because that was one of those moves I don't think the staff necessarily expected to happen. Uh, they very quickly pivoted and offered Knighton, and he basically committed within days. Um, but, yeah, so he's he's one that could really play in all three of those positions, either nickel, field safety, or boundary safety. Donovan Kaufman's the same way. He's He was uh, Derek Mason's prized recruit in Vanderbilt signing class last year, uh, beat out teams like Florida State, Ole Miss, um, took him out of Louisiana, uh, started the first two games, was incredibly productive, had like 15 tackles, had a really good kick return against LSU. Um, you could see the potential. Came down with COVID, got diagnosed with the uh, myocarditis, um, and so he was basically sidelined for the year. He's apparently completely fine now. Um, no kind of lingering health concerns or anything like that. Um, and after Mason got fired, he he went through spring, but he, he it seems pretty clear that he he didn't want to stay stick around. Um, he jumped in the portal. That was a that was a big recruitment, you know. Uh, Auburn definitely had the had the inroad there with Derek Mason, but Steve Sarkeesian over at Texas came hard after after Kaufman, and there was actually a period of time where I think some, there was some confidence that maybe he would go to Texas. There's actually a few former staff members uh, that used to work off the field at Vanderbilt that are on Sarkeesian staff that kind of helped them get in in there. But Mason was able to close the deal. Kaufman's the same type as Knight, and he's a guy that uh, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer had a great film room on him, and actually charted his snaps and it's pretty evenly split between nickel and safety. Um, so, and, and what's interesting is then if you look at what Auburn has on the roster, Ladarius Tennyson is of the same mold. He's a guy that has played uh, nickel snaps, but he's also a guy that worked in, in safety uh, all spring. So you're, you're going to see all three of those a lot. I think you're going to see them interchange. I think it's actually going to be really hard to like put together a depth chart projection for what they're going to do there. Cause you've got so many different pieces that can do a lot of stuff. But uh, it's it's clear that that Mason prizes versatility, really across the defense, but especially in the backfield. So both those guys, um, and Kaufman has four years left to play. So he was a true freshman. So he's essentially, I would consider him like a four-star signee as part of Auburn's 2021 class because you've got proven production. If you've seen him compete against, he looked really good against LSU. Um, you've seen him that he can play at this level. Um, that A&M, so. like, A&M played Vanderbilt in their first game. Isn't that right? And uh, yes. Vanderbilt kind of put the clamps on that offense. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a grind. That, that game's actually uh, super boring to watch, but it's like uh, it, it's actually a good example of, of, of a lot of the stuff Mason can do. Uh, and they definitely uh, – A&M struggled to kind of consistently move the ball and, and finish drives. 
Um, that was a really good game. And, and you know, I, LSU was – they had just some – kind of fell apart in a few places. But Kaufman had, had quite a few, you know, pretty – he doesn't have any kind of major incredible, oh, my gosh, moments on, on his tape. But a lot of that's because they didn't try him. Or he had this guy covered, so he, he wasn't really part of the play. Um, but, yeah. So it seems like both of those guys are going to be – Again, you don't know what a depth chart's going to look like, but they're both going to be playing significant snaps this fall. Yeah, Along I def- with Smoke Monday, it was definitely going to be a starter. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see Smoke, Tennyson, um, Knighton, and Kaufman, all four rotating around uh, at the safety spots. And I, my personal opinion is I think you're going to see Knighton stay more at the safety, and you're going to see Kaufman seize more time at the nickel with Tennyson and, and Pritchett. So I think you're going to see that kind of group there um rotating around and, and there's good depth and, and Kaufman will probably also be a factor in the return game. Uh he he was the kick returner for Vanderbilt and you know I, I don't know if Auburn wants tank running back kicks every game. So no. you could see Kaufman make an impact uh, there. I watched A Day. He ran almost all of them back, didn't he? I mean he scored a touchdown every time. So <laughs> if it works, keep doing it. But uh, do we know if Harson has been averse to throwing his uh starting running back back there? I guess he's He's never had one as uh, as prized as Tank, though. So that's an interesting. Yeah, that's actually a good too, question because you've got the different school. Like Toverville used to put a player and and Chiswick to an extent too. We'd have a lot of starters playing on special teams underneath both those dudes. And Gus was I a think, little more uh, camera shy about it. Well, I think times have changed just a little bit too. I think yeah. a lot of people are uh, adverse to putting a dude back there and you there's more specialists now i mean guys can be a specialist in the nfl doing that so yeah uh yeah carnell used to return punts yeah uh which would be crazy now um but i actually don't know he he jay ajayi didn't do any of that at boise but uh i don't know i don't know enough about you to know if that's something he did or not he also may have never had anyone talented enough to to put back there doing that stuff so especially the last couple of years where you know, especially kickoff returns have been kind of neutered you know we, you don't really see the same volume of kicks brought yeah. back out of the end zone and, i i think you got to give tank a few reps back there but i think having the flexibility to someone like kaufman gives you another person that you can use back there um yeah. so that tank doesn't do it every single time and tank can be kind of like the cowboys used des bryant where it was like he didn't return every punt but if there was a punt that it's like all right we we really could use a good return on this punt <laughs> they throw him out there which i always was like as a kid and even like i wasn't that young when des was playing i'd always think don't <laughs> I was about you, to say we were out yeah, of college by the don't you always <laughs> want a good return like how isn't every punt yeah. an opportunity for a touchdown why yeah, exactly. i think maybe that's just an analytics creeping in my brain but it's like Every punt's the same. The first quarter and the fourth quarter are the exact same. If you can get a touchdown in the first quarter, it's still worth seven in the fourth. Like, why not just you're not, score? You're not, you're not accounting the clutch return yeah. factor no. in your calculations. It's because clutch is not real. <laughs> it's not a real stat. It's That's rich coming from uh, Auburn fans. I know. Uh, <laughs> we kind of live and die on clutch. We, uh, there is a mean that we are we're going to regress to at some point that I just don't know where it is. <laughs> I, I think that that regression has been uh, in the last couple of years. I think it's yeah, called eight and yeah. five. 
Yeah, yeah eight and five. <laughs> sure. I think all sports uh, this year uh, yeah. really bring us back down to the mean of, of luck. Except for women's golf. Yeah. They're well, competing I mean, for the national today. championship. Not anymore. No, not oh. anymore. Well, they were. Hey, we boned out, Josh. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Dub. All right. So let's go on to the defensive line. Uh, again, we had uh, one guy, Aki Leota, come in a couple months back. Uh, but recently, two defensive tackles, um, both in-state kids, if I understand correctly, uh, Tony Fair at UAB and Marcus Harris from Kansas. Um, how are they going to work in this rotation? I mean, Auburn's got a couple of starters they seem comfortable with, but you know, you're always rotating a ton on the defensive line. Um, plus, with this, is Auburn running four-three or three-four? Yeah, not really sure how that is going to look. Yeah, so uh, Fair played at UAB, but he's actually from uh, Indiana. Uh, oh, okay. He's been everywhere, and Ferguson actually tweeted out the other day where, wow, I'm turning this into a, a Ferg promo. You're yeah, welcome. Every week. You're welcome, that's Auburn Observer. Um, uh, where he signed in the 2015 class. He was in the same class as Carry On. Oh, uh, but, um, but, yeah, anyway. Uh, he's older yeah, than so, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I think he's... Yeah, he might actually be. <laughs> Not quite your age. But. Um, but, yeah, so he's the big nose tackle out of UAB. Uh, you know, under Mason, you can't you can't glean a ton from, from spring games. I don't think you should, you know, even though we all will do it anyway. Like Elijah Canyon, it's obviously going to be a superstar. Um, but uh, what, you, what you could gather out of that is, like, what is the base – like, what is the base personnel? What is the base looks that we're going to do on both sides of the ball? And it's very clear under Mason, Auburn's going to be a base 3-4 when they're facing, you know, 12 personnel, heavier personnel. And when they go to nickel, they're going to be actually a 2-4. They're going to take the nose tackle off, and they're going to slide the two ends inside and play uh, kind of defensive tackles there. So where Fair fits in is he is a true nose tackle. So when Auburn's in that 3-4 set, uh, He's a guy that you plant in the middle of, the, of, of those two A gaps and you say, okay, try and move him uh, because he is a giant, he's a giant human being. Um, a, a Josh uh, Thompson type, stuff, yes. as he was called. Yes, yes. That type of effectiveness where uh, his goal is to just blow up all inside zone plays to where there's just your, your interior line is not getting to the linebackers. Did um, I see that when he was in Juco, he had a 25 tackle game? He his JUCO numbers are insane. Now I, I don't know enough about I think it's like Pima or Pimo Community College to know what his competition was, but his production in JUCO was absolutely ridiculous for a nose tackle. Uh, I don't think I, I could get twenty five tackles playing against middle schoolers. I'm pretty sure he had like a hundred plus tackles. I'm guessing they, they just <laughs> it must be playing like a option team, and they just they just gave him the read dive every play, and he just <laughs> he just sat there. Um, but the good thing about Fair is you've actually actually seen him against Power Five opponents. So in 2019, when UAB did UAB win that game? When the, did they beat Tennessee in 2019? I can't remember who Tennessee's all lost to. Uh, but uh, he absolutely feasted uh, against against Tennessee's uh, offensive Tennessee line. Tennessee won that game. Okay. Um, well, he, he feasted. State. Like that's what it was. Um, he feasted that game. He had like six tackles, I think three or four for loss. They had no answer for him. Um, and, and he faced Miami last year. And while Miami ran all over him, if you watch a lot of the tape, uh, 
he holds up well. And again, he had like four or five tackles in that game, which for nose tackles, you're not going to see crazy stats unless you're at apparently Pima Juke Community College. Um, <laughs> but their job is to keep things clean for, you know, Owen Papa and Zacoby McLean. So I think this, this signing was to backfill for Jeremiah Wright, who was having – was considered kind of the breakout star of spring practice. He was the former three-star offensive lineman that Auburn flipped over to defense last year, and they kept him there, and he was apparently having a great season at nose tackle. Um, so he went down with an injury. He's probably not going to be back uh, this year. So you go out and get Tony Fair. So now that you have a legit one-two punch with him and Tyrone Truesdale at the nose. Um, uh, but the other pickup was Marcus Harris. He's He is originally from – uh Alabama's from Montgomery played at Park Crossing he was like he was a two-star on rivals uh I think he was like 6'3 230 I mean he's one of those kids that was undersized and you just go can he put on the weight you know uh drop 10 pounds and play receiver yeah yeah there you go (laughs) uh and uh it's actually a Keith Niebuhr at at Auburn undercover had met with his trainer and talked about how a lot of uh SEC schools including Auburn and Alabama and Georgia liked his liked his tape but he was playing more as an edge pass rusher which isn't his game and most of them are saying you know this he doesn't really fit that mold uh for what we're doing so les miles took him he went to kansas he redshirted uh and put on like 30 pounds and and uh play last year at 280 and had a a phenomenal season and it was late it was kind of midway of the year when he broke out he didn't play a ton or the rotation wasn't great early in the season. I don't know if Kansas knew what they had. Uh, and then he just started taking over. I mean, he absolutely – West Virginia probably still has nightmares of this kid. Uh, he had seven and a half tackles for loss, um, which would have been second on Auburn behind only yes. Colby Wooden. Uh, he reminds me a lot – now, I'm not saying he's the same – he's not the same level of athlete, but he reminds me a lot of Marlon Davidson in terms of how he plays. He's going to be a heavy end who's maybe not going to become an ace pass rusher but he's a guy that you can stick on. He can set the edge. He can slide inside uh, and hold up to, uh, you know, double teams in the interior. You know, I think he's a guy, he's, he's going to be a, a considered, I think he's considered a red shirt freshman because he redshirted in 2019 and 2020 is like a free year. Um, but I think he's going to come in and push Marquise Burks at that uh, defensive tackle spot or defend. I don't know what he's going to call it in his system, but basically the defensive end uh, on the strong side of the field for three, four, and then slides inside. On nickel, and I, th- I think he's going to push there. I- I'm really high on this Piggies kid. Is playing, right? Yes, yes, okay. the same one that Piggies is playing. Um, but I- I'm really, really high on this kid. I actually think, and it wouldn't, it would not shock me if a few years we look back as this was one of the biggest, biggest pickups. And I think he's a great example of what the transfer portal is going to do in the future. You got a two-star kid who's got question marks. Can he do certain things? He goes somewhere else, uh, does those things, shows that he could put on the weight, shows he could play, and then you bring him back home to Auburn. What does he? Uh, so he's what kind is, of a perfect example. What does he bring to the table in terms of Wildcat quarterback? If he's playing the same thing as Piggies, I don't know. I think his pretty weak spin move. Okay. Uh, so I, I think he's kind of just a snap the ball, duck the head, run to the center's butt type of guy. Okay. Uh, now, so now he didn't to happen to grow. He didn't happen to grow four inches over the last two years, did he? You never know. Because then he could play uh, power forward. That's true. That's true. Looking for one more scholarship for the basketball team. That's right. The basketball team does not need anybody else that plays power forward or center at this point. (laughs) Unless their name is JT Thor. Right. Well, Well, he's a a shooting (laughs) guard. He's a two. Yeah. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> Guys, I need to tell a story on this podcast about that. <coughs> um, this quick subject change as I derail the podcast yet again. Going to make them wait on quarterback talk a little longer. I walked into a – I told the story in the Slack the other day, but I was asked to see if I wanted to join a men's league, a uh, basketball oh. league, because I had okay. shown interest in, in basketball at work. Um, and the church that I work for sponsors this, this organization that has this uh, gym. And so I walk over to the gym one day and I peek my head into the basketball court and – Everybody playing on the court was at least, at least six three, and most <laughs> most of the guys were. You can, I, when someone's six foot six, they still look like a normal enough height that you can go, well, that guy's pretty tall. But yeah. when you get above six six, it, there's this weird thing that happens to your I, eyes I where you're like, whoa, that guy is a giant. Most of the totally. most of the guys playing were above that height. They were tall enough that I was like, <laughs> "Geez, Louise, those guys are tall," and they weren't just giant old men. These were young, athletic dudes who could run and were physically fit, and all had brand new Nikes on. I'm watching this, and I watched like three or four possessions, and it's like made three, made three, quick outlet, alley oop dunk. And I look at the guy who runs the runs the place, and I was like, "Dude, what is going on in here?" <laughs> I was like, the, "The level of play in this men's league at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Thursday is outrageous." And he goes, "Oh yeah, man, all these dudes play professionally." I was like, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "Yeah, all these dudes play pro. Most of these guys are it's their off season from whatever team they're on in Europe, and they're hanging out. They're all from Dallas." He said a couple of the dudes were in the G League this year, and he pointed at a guy with dreadlocks, and he goes, that dude over there, he was on the Clippers a couple of months ago. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so these are like legit. He goes, yeah, every single one of these dudes plays pro. I go, so I'm not joining this men's league. He goes, they wouldn't let you join this men's league. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. Say, is this the men's league they asked you to join? Yeah. I like, they ain't going to let you join this men's league. No, because I would get somebody hurt. If you're, if you're yeah. a normal person, you will just get someone hurt playing in that environment but you, you just gotta see, stay low and move your feet when you, yeah, exactly when you see guys that are that tall and that athletic and that skilled all together at once it is still a freaky thing and those none of the not a single one of those dudes is currently playing on an nba roster and every single one of those guys would destroy anyone listening <laughs> to this podcast in a one-on-one basketball yeah. game and auburn is now recruiting a higher level of dudes that are better than that, which is wild to me. Like guys who will not be playing in a gym in Dallas at a rec center, but who <laughs> might be playing on TNT. My, uh, that, that is my worry about trying to seek out a men's league here. Uh, not that I'll run into a bunch of NBA players cause that's not going to happen, but that it will be a bunch of people who have played uh, more than once in the last 12 years. Uh, and uh, it would be uh, tough and I would get hurt and possibly hurt them. You trying to body up some of your bowers? I would, that'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, I always liked playing against people that were way stronger and bigger than me. And I just foul the hell out of them. Uh, you should go join Frank Brown, Chief. It's twenty dollars for your. Well, entire... that's where I used. 
It's twenty bucks That's I used membership to play. for I'm, life. I, I'm uh, I, I am hesitant to play there now. I I go play out and uh, I, I really wish the Opelika uh, Sportsplex was closer. I'd go play out there. Uh, yeah. Frank Brown may be a little too intense for uh, my old my old man self. So I used to hoop at Frank Brown though. That's outside good. guys. The outside the game behind is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I saw a guy smoking a joint during a game one time at Frank Brown. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I played. I played with a guy while he was smoking a, a blunt. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, it was fun. Uh, I mean, playing <laughs> out there, but it was something. So, nerd, talk to us about quarterbacks. <laughs> now that we digress. I was trying to think of some sort of terrible segue, but I couldn't. <laughs> I was trying to. Well, think I was gonna say, blunt, speaking of people that are bigger and stronger than Chief, we yeah. can talk about yeah. DJ Finley. Speaking, of, speaking right. of being on drugs, some people think that Bo Nix yeah. is starting quarterback yeah. for us next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do a blunt thing too, but I was like, ah, I don't think that's actually a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, something you know, casual happened. Uh, Auburn went out and uh, landed uh, LSU starting quarterback for half the season last year. Uh, TJ Finley, massive kid, he's like six six two thirty or something. Um, out of Louisiana, they actually had an Auburn offer coming out of, uh, out of high school. Um, but always dreamed of playing at LSU, like pretty much every kid that's apparently born in Louisiana. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he started for, he, he was kind of their sacrificial lamb after Miles Brennan went down. Uh, you know, Brennan faced, uh, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt in Missouri. Max Johnson finished the year by facing Ole Miss's defense and Florida's defense. T.J. Finley came in, and he faced South Carolina first at home, and then he had a three-game road stretch of at Auburn, at Arkansas, and at Texas A&M before coming home to play Alabama. So uh, he definitely got the worst, the worst into that. But it's a tough uh, South Carolina team. That is, I mean, that, that, that's a loaded defense there. <laughs> Top ten draft pick, J.C. Horton. Yeah, that defense wasn't wasn't bad, right? I mean, okay, team wasn't good, but. <laughs> But yeah, uh, but yeah. So this is this is definitely uh, and you know I I think for for Auburn it, very clear if you watch Day Day, uh, you don't want again you don't want to take too much away. But uh, behind Bose was wasn't great. Grant, Grant Lloyd is not necessarily a person you want to be trotting out onto Kyle Field uh, if you're taking on Texas A&M later in the year. Um, Demetrius Davis still high on his ability and his chances to be a contributor, but you don't want to – he's not ready. Like, he's just not ready. He's not someone you want to throw out there in the fire. Like LC had to do with Finley last year because uh, they will melt down. Like, it's just unless – I think I think too many people look at, like, Trevor Lawrence and think, well, you know, freshmen could just step in and, and be great. It's like that's not actually the most common thing in the world. Uh, so you really don't want to throw the Matrix out there. So going and getting TJ Finley gives you a legitimate backup to Bo, but it also gives you someone that can legitimately compete with Bo this fall for for the starting position. Because I, I mean, I, I Harson has no loyalty. Like he didn't sign Bo. He's like, he doesn't have this deep relationship with Bo Dix. He wants to win football games, uh, and so he's going to try to do it the best he can. And he's going out and he's going to try to get the best players he can. Uh, and Finley is without question been one of the best quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, so they brought him in, and he's gonna he's gonna compete with Bo uh, this fall. I think if anything, it will um, 
it, it'll make people have to just accept that Bo is the best quarterback on campus if he does, in fact, win the starting job or the most ready to start. I, yes. I, I think I think that's the the best thing that could happen for Bo right now. That's true. Um, uh, is that okay? There's this other guy, and like you said, he he will legitimately push him. So if he is the starting quarterback, then that means he is the starting quarterback. Um, yeah. I do hope we don't get into some situation where they're both playing a bunch, though. That would be uh, less than ideal. No, I, I don't want a Steve Spurrier or a or a Urban Meyer with with a Leak with and Chris and Tebow just subbing them out. I don't really want that. I, I definitely don't want a, a Gus Malzahn quarterback carousel. <laughs> we could we fired that guy. Yeah, we could play all we could play all three of those guys. Um, now, shoot, make it four and throw Grant Loy in there. Make it four. Why not? Somebody will assert themselves. I just think, you know, there's an old saying like, "Did is your roster better?" You know, like, is your roster better today than it was yesterday? I think the roster's better today than it was yesterday. Like, with Finley adding, your quarterback room is more talented today than it was last week. No matter who's, quote-unquote, the starter, your room's better. You got better, you got more talent in that room than you did before he showed up. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's the best way to view all these transfers. You know, is, is are they making, are they raising the floor yeah. for Auburn next year? And all of these moves so far have done this, but Finley in particular raises Auburn's floor. I, I think in terms of, I don't know if I'm just making up a metric of like floor raising, uh, I don't know, a grade. He would have the highest because if Bo Nix give us a percentage, yeah, a six point five on the floor scale. Yeah, yeah, he's he's more of a two story. While these yeah. guys have been one stories, um, but uh, but yeah, because of. Because of how important that position is, and because of what was behind Bo, um, yeah. So, and I, and I agree with you, Chief. I actually think that's a great, you know, fair or unfair. I, I personally believe it was a valid quarterback battle that Bo Nix won against Malik sure. Willis and Joey Gaywood. There are a lot of people that don't. And you know and what? Court Sandberg. And, and Court Sandberg. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I'm completely, I completely get it. Malik Willis is tearing it up at Liberty. Right. Gus Malzahn is not exactly uh, the king of quarterback <laughs> evaluations. And so if you felt like it, you know, was an illegitimate competition just from the standpoint that Gus was judging it, I think that's a fair take. Uh, I do think though, like you said, that this, this go around, if Bo wins, I mean, there'll still be a segment that just believes it's not Bo. And right. Right. You know, the, the, Patrick, there's too much. Pol- yeah. Pat Patrick Nix got to another one. Yeah. Um, uh, which is still my favorite theory is that somehow Pat Nix has so much pull at Auburn that coaches are willing to risk their jobs over them. Sure, um, take that chance to sign that, uh, that central high school talent. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Pat Nix comes knocking, you have to listen. We've always, we've always known that. Um, but yeah, I think with, with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson bringing in almost like their guy, TJ Finley is more of the mold of what you're going to see Auburn recruit, which is bigger, strong armed, um, you know, pocket passers. Uh, and that's exactly what Finley is. So I think the winner of this will be viewed as legitimate for most people. So if Bo does win this job, I think he'll have less grumbling around that um, and and more people kind of accepting, okay, Bo is the best quarterback on the roster right now. But we'll see. We'll see if he is. Yep, we will. I think, I think that's the best way to put it. At some point, 
the rest of the roster, the rest of the transfers, if you're if this year's Auburn team's 78th to 85th best players are better than last year's Auburn teams, then it's an improvement because all 85, if, then you've improved your your total roster. But a guy like Finley is not your 78th best player on the team. Yeah. You've now added a guy who might be in the top 20 best player on your team. I'm not, I'm not the guy who ranks. Remember that was a that was a <laughs> thing that happened a couple of years ago. The beat writer. I guess he probably didn't want to be called a beat writer who ranked uh, all of the scholarship players for Auburn football. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We should bring that, that back. Oh yeah. I remember it. It was, oh, it was he, terrible. He I ranked, didn't understand. He ranked them, which is kind of a fun. Imagine, fun, imagine fun putting exercise. someone number 85. You're, Ouch. you're, you are ranked 85 on this football roster. You're the worst player on the team. You're the man. Worst player. <laughs> imagine if a walk-on had been ranked above a scholarship player. <laughs> Yeah. Lucky for them, they, they did not include the walk-ons. So. Yeah. You're the worst player on this team. Congrats. You're 84. Well, congrats. You're better than one guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> what a ridiculous exercise. But, hey, the offseason is going to be offseason. Back then, we didn't have a basketball team to talk about. So It's true. Which now we can Speaking talk of about, a basketball team. We can talk about KD. Yeah, we can talk about another two-initial first-name guy. <laughs> this is KD, not Kevin Durant, but KD, the transfer Auburn picked up. Where did he transfer from, Ryan? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. I think Auburn's gotten a couple guys from this place before. Um, uh, let's see. Maybe like a, a quarterback and a, a safety from a couple years ago. Smells Smells uh, really bad. <laughs> uh, believe that would be the University of Georgia. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. Huh. Interesting. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, is that is is that the same program that uh, hasn't what's it what's that year called? I'm trying to remember the year. They 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 did something really good on foot in football like a long time oh, ago. Man. Uh, it, was, it, uh, it was probably like 39 years ago. Is that them? Is no, that the I same think, school? I think uh, I think. World War II was closer to uh, my birth than that date is to Ryan's birth. I think that's... Oh, man. Uh, Make me do some math. That, that, was, wild. That, was a deep, that was a deep cut. Did you guys know that they've also not been to the Final Four since like 1983? Oh, wow. If, if, only, if only that school was located in a state with a lot of great talent. Yeah, that, would, that would really yes. help them. Or, or like, had that. a Hall of Famer that, that, that also played for the, the in-state NBA team as well. Oh, yeah, that guy. Or had money. Huh. Or had the first overall pick in the draft two years ago. Who is tearing it up? He's going to win Rookie of the Year this year. Their number one overall pick. Remember when Crow hated that guy? No, Ryan hated that guy. (laughs) Oh, Ryan hated that guy. That's right. Look, all I'm saying is it doesn't matter who you are. Playing for Tom Kearney is going to make you look like a not very good (laughs) player. Yeah, I think that's uh, that. That was my point. That's the moral of the story. Ryan looked at a guy who's scoring like thirty points a game. He's like, "Hey, he's not super efficient." I mean, he is taking every <laughs> single shot for his team because he plays with a bunch of rejects and fat kids. But maybe he's not but very that's good. Not, I I don't really think that's true though. That signing class was pretty that, good. That's that's actually the biggest thing on like his first signing class had like he actually beat Auburn for it. Like that Christian Brown kid was someone Auburn oh, yeah. was actually recruiting. That's right. Uh, but then he, you know, he just kind of took those players and then was just like, all right, how do I, 
I how to accentuate had... your weaknesses well, I yeah, think and just was... hide your strengths. I think his problem may have been he was too busy uh, trying to get a hold of a, a tape of the, the president at that time uh, saying uh, uh, some racial epithets. No, you're thinking of the different guy. What? 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 Yeah, he's thinking of uh, Roseanne Barr's former husband. Yeah, yeah, he coaches the George who Bulldog. looks just Tom, like Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold, who looks just like Tom Cream. Okay, yeah, who spent okay. like. Right. I thank you for getting that and walking me through to there. No, so Tom Arnold famously <laughs> was claims to be in possession of tape of the former president saying racial slurs during a filming of the. That apartment. is not the tape of the former president. I thought you were referring to at first. No, which was that one. Weird. That one may or may not exist either. But apparently during the filming of the, of the television show The Apprentice, he may have used the N-word on multiple occasions. Tom Crean no. said he had the tape, and then he didn't. It's okay. Dennis Rodman told him it was okay. <laughs> Tom Arnold said he had the tape. I don't think Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Casually I get left. confused too, obviously. All right. So. Wow, that was that was, that was quite the, the train was, there. That was a journey. Sorry, Sorry about that. I, to me – if I couldn't fathom being a Georgia fan in general, I mean, but, they don't care about basketball. So I guess that's good for them. Like it goes Georgia, it goes Georgia football, the Braves, the masters. The Falcons. And there's like a big jump before you get to anything else. <laughs> you guys are describing my least favorite people in the world. I think <laughs> yeah. I've decided. Georgia football, the Braves eating at the country club after church on Sunday. The Masters. <laughs> the Falcons. <laughs> no, they don't they go don't to Falcons. Falcons. They don't go to Falcons games because those people are at those games. They watch them on TV or they have a friend with a suite that takes clients there. Uh, I know these people too well now. So, uh, Katie Johnson, uh, who was the, their best player this last year, right? Is that is that uh, well, one of far? the two best? Him and Severe Wheeler, who is also no longer on the on the team. Well, none Kentucky. of their players are on the team. Yeah, they lost nine guys. Jeez. Georgia basketball lost more players than Auburn football is bringing in from the transfer portal. Jeez, so far, <laughs> I think. Yeah, and 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 Johnson was the one who kind of tore off not. He kind of went toe to toe with Sharif in the yeah. Auburn Georgia game. That was really built like really a good. bowling ball. It, it doesn't doesn't have a neck. <laughs> no, one of two guys That's on the true. Georgia team that didn't have a neck last year. <laughs> but uh, very good uh, with the old uh, old round ball. Yeah. So Katie Johnson, he didn't start at all for Georgia. Um, he came in midseason, uh, had some NCAA issues, which and I say issues, I don't. Who knows yeah. what it is with the NCAA? You never know what he says. Yeah, do we do we have He's any wrong. idea with those? I ones? don't know if it was academic eligibility because he went to Hargrave and oh, I don't know. okay, okay. Anyways, he came in midseason. Actually, his first game was Sharif's second game. Um, but was playing. He was a point guard in high school, but played kind of the, the combo guard both positions. Uh, um, behind Severe Wheeler last year, and was second on the team in scoring with. 13 and a half points a game off the bench, uh, off the bench. Cool. Yeah. Uh, still played 23 minutes. Um, was, they said a big part of their offense and arguably their best defender as well on a pretty bad defensive team. Um, 
I am very excited about this guy. 39% three-point shooter, which Auburn desperately needs. Yeah. Um, and if, we, if you dive into his advanced metrics on, on the defensive side, I mean, they're bonkers compared to anybody Georgia or Auburn had last year. Uh, 4.3 steal percent. And I think Auburn's leader last year in steal percentage was uh, JT Thor at like 1.8. Incredible. Uh, so this guy gets out of the ball. Uh, doesn't really foul a ton. I mean, he, he gets some. Um, but then his defensive box plus minus 2.2 was better than any guard Auburn had last year. Um, I, I think this guy, he's going to be a big piece uh, right away for Auburn. This is this edition also, I mean, you, you kind of listed his numbers, and I'm thinking of the rest of the roster. Really makes me wish Sharif was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> just I feel like Auburn would score 200 a game with <laughs> with him running the point and distributing the ball to these these shooters and these dunkers and and the the different pieces and weapons that the team has. But even without Sharif, I think the transfer point guards Auburn's picked up have to be licking their chops with just the the places they can distribute the basketball to now. And KD is one of those dudes. Yeah, uh, between him and and Kessler, uh, and that's, Smith, yes, and Jabari Smith, uh, and Desi Stills even or Sills, and it's a it's a it's a much different landscape than what Sharif had to deal with this last year. Um, uh, he made guys like Dylan Cardwell look really good. Um, so uh, imagine what he could have done with uh, Walker Kessler. And uh, with being with anyone, uh, literally anyone out on the wing that could hit a shot. Jalen Green. Well, <laughs> Crow, you'll like this uh, on Ken Palm. You know they do uh, comps for a player for like, how their numbers stack up against uh, other players historically. Uh, one of Katie's comps is Matt McClung's freshman year. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> huh. Interesting. I think and Matt McClung has decided to go pro, by the way, and is and is keeping his name in the draft, even though he's not showing up on anything. Uh, um, Thor uh, also is still in the draft, right? And his name is nowhere to be found. But he's somewhat kept his eligibility, um, whereas McClung has said he's hiring an agent. Oh. Well, yeah, I'm out okay. of here. Um, Se- seems like a, 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 a dude that would uh, be into that. Well, plus his he went transferred to Texas Tech and then Coach Beard transfer uh, left and went to Texas. So it's like, want to transfer again or play for this new guy? Coach Beard, Ted Lasso's assistant coach, was coaching at Texas Tech for so many years. <laughs> kind of bizarre. Um, well, nerd, that's all I had for you today. I really appreciate you coming on today. No problem. Well, Ryan had some Alabama State trivia. We have to save that for next week. <laughs> you got any? Uh, y'all talking? Y'all talking Hornets? Y'all talking Hornets? Alabama State Hornets? Yeah, yeah Alabama yeah. State Hornets. Uh, uh, all-time records next week. You're here. Uh, is uh, it two, two chains? Is yeah, two, right? two chains is the only. It's the only thing I know about the Alabama State Hornets. Uh, R- Rodney Woody is a graduate of there. He was the uh, loss prevention agent at uh, my uh, previous job I had. Good guy. Nice. Oh, no, they, they somehow found an elite offensive tackle. 
recently. Did they? They had a guy go like the first round or second round not that wow. long ago. Yeah, had, must be nice. Must be I nice. I feel like must they be. had somebody noteworthy, like I don't know, five, six years ago, and I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, that's a uh, for another time. That's that's next week. That's next yeah. week. We'll find uh, out. Got, Didn't yeah, Alabama yeah, State have some guy? Hot tips for the listeners, uh, nerd. Before we go, uh, just that Auburn is definitely not done in the portal. I think there's there's um, the the always hunting for the offensive tackle. You know, if, if you, you know, if, if perchance you're a very large human being that is currently sitting on the bench at a other sec school, uh, and, and wishing to see the field and you're happening to listen to this podcast, uh, I I've got a great opportunity for you. If you want to <laughs> open up slide into the DMS, <laughs> uh, but I think you'll see office tackle. You're going to see Auburn try to get a receiver, um, specifically someone that's more proven than, than what they've got. Because I think of all the rooms that was maybe the most disappointing this spring, it was a receiver uh, based off the way the coaches are talking. But I think, again, some of that's the injuries they had. But I think they'll get, get a running back. Uh, Jordan Ingram from uh, Mobile is the name that's been linked the most. He, he went to Central Michigan. Um, I'm not sure when a decision's – I believe he's trying to clean, finish up some academic stuff. Not that he's got, like, any major problems. Just I think he gray-shirted at Central Michigan last year, and that can mm. can be funky stuff. Um but where, yeah, I think where did he where did he play in Mobile? He played at St. Paul's. Okay. Um, he's actually had a number of SEC offers, but he waited too long, uh, lost a spot in all those classes, uh, and some other kids kind of jumped him. He's he's an intriguing player. Uh, I hope he joins the team because I think he's got a really good. He, he actually reminds me a lot of Jarquez Hunter. So Auburn's definitely has a type when it comes to running backs now. Um, but yeah, those and then I also keep an eye on a kid that just jumped into the portal from from Virginia Tech, uh, Justin Beatles. Uh, he, he's probably more of an outside linebacker in Auburn scheme. Only spent a year there at Virginia tech, but he just recently got into the portal, uh, and literally half of Auburn's defensive staff is already following him. So he might be someone he's originally from Georgia. So he's someone to keep an eye on. And then also recruiting is about to get the this, this next month is going to be the most insane college football recruiting month in like its history, because for after a year, over a year, they're reopening and, Already, Auburn's got 20 plus official visitors scheduled. Oh uh, you're gonna see you're gonna see classes, especially with the transfer portal and teams like being willing to like use those spots for transfers. You're gonna see kids jump on opportunity. Like it's gonna get crazy. So what what were uh what were those things Trooper Taylor did used to do? Can we, can oh, we bring yeah. those back? Uh, uh, yeah, when when we had Sestronk, uh, Lattimore, and Dyer all oh yeah already yeah. already Big all Big locked Cat in. Weekend? Big Cat Weekend wasn't was that what it was called? Yeah, well, the, they started that, but that I think I, oh, was that a big yeah that was a Big Cat Weekend. They're the ones that actually that actually yeah, started. Big that Cat went to UCF, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And then uh, and then they used to take limos around to the high schools. Oh yeah, Tiger Prowl. They they specifically Tiger. got rid of. I will say this about that Chiswick staff: they were the most creative recruiters that there's been in a while. Like everybody does a big cat weekend now. They're the first ones that yeah. ever came up with that idea. Yeah. So. Peaked with a swag copter at AM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just been downhill since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well guys, we will see you next week. If you are listening to this and have decided to bet against Josh Dub, again, slide right on into my Venmo. I'm working as Josh Dub's bookie for this bet. Adios. Bye.